Here's something interesting. David Baldacci is one of the world's favorite storytellers, and critics are saying the protagonist he introduces in his latest novel may well prove to be one of his most popular yet. Hi there, I'm Chris Oaks, and this is the Here's Something Interesting podcast, where we talk to interesting people with interesting things to say about interesting subjects. We're going to get to our guest today, author David Baldacci, in just a moment. But I want to uh, mention something. This kind of goes back to what we were talking about uh, Friday on the uh, podcast that we posted all about the big week this week in politics, the upcoming Democratic presidential debates, President Trump's rally on Thursday in Cincinnati. This was from a survey that was published last Monday, July 22nd, by the Pew Research Center. They found that trust is a scarce commodity among Americans these days. 69% of Americans in this survey, the Pew Research Center, say that the federal government intentionally withholds important information from the public. That's what they believe. 69% say the federal government intentionally withholds important information from the public. 61% say that the news media intentionally ignores important stories. Uh, Nearly two-thirds say it is hard to tell the difference between what is true and false when they hear elected officials speak. And almost half said the same thing about information that they get from social that they see on social media. Uh, researchers found 64% of U.S. U.S. adults believe trust in each other has declined. So it's not just the news media or politicians or social media. We don't even trust each other as much as we used to. In fact, the only groups of people that 50% or more of all adults in this survey said that they trust are religious leaders, educators, police officers, the military, and scientists. And among those, some of the lowest numbers were for religious leaders. So why all of this mistrust? Well, you might be surprised. When asked why the level of trust in government has declined, 14%, only 14%, cited President Trump and his administration. 10%, and only 10%, noted the performance of the news media. So, it seems as though we are influenced that, that our mistrust of each other, of these various institutions not doesn't lie in anything that the president or the news media uh, does or doesn't do. Primarily, we just seem to be less trusting in general. Not for any particular reason, at least the numbers would suggest, not for any particular reason, but just in general. And the mistrust of the president, of the news media, of that is just a larger extension of mistrust in general. Well, here is where this gets interesting for me. While most Americans do say that they would like to see the levels of trust improve across the board, we don't seem to be too concerned about it overall. It is at the bottom of the list of those things that we consider top-tier problems in this country. At the top of that list, drug addiction, 
affordability of health care, ethics in government, affordability of education, and the ability of Democrats and Republicans to work together. And so maybe you can see where I'm going with this. Even though we don't list trust as one of the top problems in the country, you look at that list of the top five that I just mentioned, and trust is essential to fixing any of those problems. How are you going to fix Democrats and Republicans working together? How are you going to get that to happen unless you start trusting? How do you come up with solutions to the affordability of education and healthcare unless you trust each other, or at least trust that each side has the best interest of Americans at heart? How do you figure out how to guarantee and safeguard ethics in government if you don't trust each other? So, and again, these are, this is just a, uh, a survey that was released uh, this past Monday, Jan- uh, July 22nd, the Pew Research Center, uh, talking about trust and distrust in America. And it kind of, again, works back to what we were talking about on Friday on the podcast uh, about the uh, big week of politics coming uh, ahead. It might just be something to keep in mind as you're watching the Democratic debates, if you do that, if you're watching President Trump's rally, if you're going to do that, uh, just kind of think about all of these things while these are these big events this week in politics are going on. Now, we're going to set aside politics for the moment on today's podcast. Not going to talk about politics, not going to talk about current affairs. One of the world's favorite storytellers is on the line with us today. David Baldacci is out with a new thriller called One Good Deed. It's been out only about a week now and is already a bestseller. And I I wonder... David, do you ever worry about that? I mean, it seems like every single one of your books goes straight to number one. I mean, everything you touch is instantly golden. Does it ever go through your mind? Does the thought ever cross your mind? What if people don't like this one? Well, like you know, you never stop having butterflies, I guess. I guess at this point in my career, I have enough fan base that <laughs> I'm pretty confident it's going to hit the list. I, I think more than anything else, I just want people to like the book. Um, but yeah, there's always butterflies when and, you launch a new book, for sure. This one, I, I would imagine, maybe even more so, too, because you've got a new character here uh, that you're yes. introducing in this story. Talk a little bit about the central character here. Aloysius Archer is um, a World War II vet. He fought in the war, came back, wandered the country, got in a little bit of trouble, put him, he was put in prison for a crime he didn't commit, spent about three years in jail, then he was paroled, and now is serving his parole in a little town called Pocket City, somewhere in the south-central U.S. in 1949. And it's a little city, little town that wants to be a big town. And there's a lot of stuff going on there. And he runs sort of into a buzzsaw of local intrigue and mystery and suspense. And um, whether he survives it or not is the reason to read the book. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've read a lot of uh, critics' reviews saying that this may prove to be one of the most popular, one of your most popular characters yet. Talk a little bit about the inspiration. Where did the uh, idea for this char- uh, character come from, the evolution of that? I you know, I've always loved crime noir <clears throat> set in the 1930s and 1940s. Some of my favorite films, Chinatown and The Big Sleeper, from that era. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted to write a book like that. And this is really going to was going to be a short story. One Good Deed was started out as a short story. I was writing it on book tour last fall, 
And before I knew it, I had immersed myself in the story and I had about 400 pages after a few months. And um, I wanted to set it in 1949. Post-World War II was a really interesting period for this country. It was a lot of great transition and change was happening. Men were coming home from the war, going back into the workforce. Women were being forced out of the workforce, back into the home. The baby boomer generation was taking off. There were homes being built all over the place to accommodate new families. And people were leaving their places where they grew up um, and moving across the country to seek fame and fortune and a fresh start somewhere else. So a lot of transition was going on. And yeah. I thought that would be really captivating from a storytelling point of view because Archer's kind of caught up in the middle of all of that. He fought in the war. He was in prison. He just wants a fresh start, and he's on the move. Is the is the character in, inspired by uh, anyone in particular? I mean, uh, did you have uh, an, an individual in mind, uh, you know, when you start about developing the character? I think Archer represents kind of an every man thrust into extraordinary situations. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a veteran, and he... Uh, spent time in prison, which most people, thank God, won't. Right. But but there was nothing really remarkable about him other than the fact that he's resilient and he's been able to survive two horrific situations. So, you know, I didn't have any particular character in mind. I just wanted to show a man who had been through some hard knocks in life and was thrown another curveball and just had to rise to the occasion because I think that all of that happens to all of us in varying degrees in our life mm-hmm. and we get knocked down and we have to pick ourselves back up. I like writing about themes that are sort of universal that people can relate to and that's yeah. certainly one of the biggest ones is yeah. that idea of failing and then getting back up. What about the what about the setting? I mean, you talk about uh, the, the setting for this in a, a small town that kind of wants to be a, a big city and you know big aspirations for a, for a small town. Uh, talk about uh, developing the setting of that, because that sounds fascinating to me and also is probably relatable to a, a lot of folks. Yeah, so the, the city was very carefully constructed. I could have gone to a big town, sure. uh, you know, a real place like New York or Chicago, right, but right. I wanted to create a small town, and that way I could get really deep into it. I could sink my fingers in it and allow people to really see the depth of the place. And there was two, uh, you know, two men in this town who were very... Uh, major one is Hank Pittleman, who's a businessman, and another is Lucas Tuttle, who is a businessman farmer, and they've been at odds for a long time. And it's um, I won't say it was the Hatfields and the McCoys, but there is a rivalry going on there to see which one was going to win out. And so for me to show how they dominate that place, how everyone knows them, how many people fear them, mm-hmm. and then Archer walks right into the middle of all of this, not knowing anything about the history of this place, I thought was pretty fascinating because it was like any one of us could have walked into that town and been drawn into this web of intrigue. Um, so I thought that was a great setting for it. And you really get a f- really good feel for what Pocket City is. You know, there are parts that are very rural and small and antiquated, mm-hmm. and there are other parts of it that are new and fresh and trying to be something else. Yeah, I I, uh, I think we all can relate on that level to a setting. I mean, I have a couple of towns that I have uh, lived in or visited or spent a great deal of time in that I, I would describe as uh, the, the biggest small town ever, the uh, smallest big city uh, ever. And, you know, just in the setting, we can relate to uh, to that as well. You mentioned that this is something that you had a character and a story that you had uh, wanted to write for a long time. And, and, at the end of the day, when you close the chapter on the uh, on this book, was it as satisfying as you hoped it would be? Was it as much fun as it, you hoped it would be? It really, yeah, it really was. I mean, it put everything into a book that I really wanted to have in it. There was certainly mystery and suspense. There was drama. There was 
human relationships. There was a bit of romance. There was a uh, detective. Uh, there were competing powers. There was a really cool courtroom scene. There was humor. Um, and then it also shows the lifestyle, sort of a hard scramble lifestyle of Americans 70 years ago were pre-internet, pre-smartphone, pre, you know, you order something today and you get it tomorrow kind yeah. of lifestyle mm-hmm. um, uh, where people were more dependent on themselves. Yeah. Uh, and as we mentioned, uh, this being described as, uh, you know, predictions are this could be uh, one of the most popular characters yet. Do you feel that uh, that same way? And are you already, you know, thinking of the, the you know, the next adventure? I would imagine uh, probably working on the next story already. Yeah, I, I am going to bring Archer back again because I do real I feel like there's a lot of potential. But even more than that, I like spending time with the guy. You know, for me, he's he's more than just a fictional character. He's real in many respects. So I can't wait to go back and spend some more time with him. One good deed, uh, the new one from uh, David Baldacci. Thanks very much for taking the time. Best of luck with the book. Thank you. Hey, that's it for the podcast today. If you have something you would like to uh, share with us, uh, you can go to our Facebook page, head there. Uh, We're on Facebook at Something Interesting Podcast. Would love to meet up with you there. Uh, Anything that you have to uh, share, good, bad, or otherwise, uh, about the podcast, about any of our guests, we'd love to get your feedback. And also, remember, you can subscribe to the Here's Something Interesting Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, and Spotify. Until next time, I'm Chris Oaks. Thanks for listening.